0: Another episode of the Behind the You podcast. And we are joined by, well, this could be an audio podcast. So I recognize the face. You'll recognize the name. Derek King is with us. Derek, appreciate you doing this.
1: No, no problem. Thanks for having
0: me. Well, I guess I got to see how good I am compared to you and Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Probably much better Well I listened I listened to the last episode And I just want to I just got to get this Out of here first You like your hamburgers Plain?
1: Plain Only cheese That's all I eat on it No mustard
0: No ketchup Lettuce, tomato Nothing
1: I feel like Everybody know me I don't like extra stuff So I feel like All this extra Like a burger Is supposed to be just The meat and the cheese, that's what i think. And, you know, maybe some lettuce, but then, like, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, pickles, I can't do all that. It's just too much going
0: on. Like, are you plain cheese pizza, or, like, will you load that one up? I do pepperoni, that's it, pepperoni pizza. So you're a simple man? Simple, very simple, yeah. So listen, we had Lou Headley on this podcast going way back. He said you guys all hang out. You're like the old heads, you guys hang out. Is that true? What's it like hanging out with sweet Lou?
1: Man, Lou is, Lou is a wild one. That's not what he said. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good time with Ludo. You know we hung out a lot over his past offseason. He, he's a, he's a fun guy to hang out with.
0: You know I would say this: the pictures and the tats and all that stuff. He looks like this menacing dude, but he's nothing like that.
1: Not at all. He, he's he's very you no know, chill. You can I know people can get misjudgment by the way he looks, but he's not he's nothing like the typical guy that has tattoos everywhere. He's not like that at all.
0: You saw any of those pictures when he signed on recruiting day? I
1: remember being at Houston when he when he first got here, and uh, we had him up in the locker room. Like, oh, how the hell Miami got this kicker? Like, where where are you from? It was like. With a national treasure. I remember everybody watching, like,
0: dang, who who's this guy? All right. So let's get into the nitty-gritty. So before the injuries and everything, how much did football mean to you? It mean a lot, I mean,
1: everything to me, you know. I've been playing football my whole life, I take it serious, I want to be really good at it. So, it, it, it meant everything. I come from a football family, it's been in my blood, and I, I love the game. So,
0: I was gonna say, how much do you love it? Because I feel like just been doing a little bit of reading and research on you that you started training with your dad at an early age, correct?
1: Yeah, I remember. I mean, it's probably I started playing football four years old. Um, my dad was a high school coach, so I always had like the privilege of going to the you know, high school practices and high school weight rooms and you know, seeing how the older guys did everything. So, I kind of you know, took that upon, and you know, he kind of pushed me into football but once I got you know seven eight years old I was the one going up to him in the morning let's go work out let's go run bleachers let's go do this like me and my older brother so he kind of you know brought us to it and then we just loved it ever since we started playing
0: so were you groomed like did you always want to be a quarterback is that where it started yeah I played quarterback since my first year uh, my dad was a, a really good quarterback
1: in high school coming out in, in college as well so I, I played quarterback my whole life my first time actually my first time ever playing in a position was my freshman year of age I played receiver for a year because we had a lot of injuries at receiver so I kind of stepped in and then that's the only time I ever played a different position.
0: You caught 22 balls as a freshman at Houston. So how did that come up? It was just, hey man, we're down. We need we need a guy.
1: Yeah, so you know, all fall we had a, we had a really good starter, Greg Ward. Um, he was a unquestioned starter for our team. So um, me, Kyle Allen, Kyle Postman, we were all competing for the backup spot pretty much. And I, I was having a really good camp my um, true freshman year. And then you know, we lost Marco S. Stevenson who plays for the Bills right now. And then we lost, I started inside, obviously, with Shaw Samples, who's one of the best coaches for TCU right now. <laughs> we lost both of those in, in camp. Collar bone and one guy had two many concussions. Uh, so, you know, Coach Herman and Coach Applewhite brought me in the office. And, you know, they actually me, they called my dad as well. My dad came up there, and it's like, man, we've a really good camp at quarterback. Um, we know that we promise you that you'll be a quarterback here at U of H, but, you know, all the injuries. And they kind of asked me, like, would I play receiver for a year? But still be in the quarterback room? you know, still do everything as a quarterback. So go to quarterback meetings, know the game plan as a quarterback, but just fill in at, at inside receiving. And, you know, at that time I was I was ready. I wanted to play. I didn't want a red shirt. I wanted to get on the field early. You know, all, all young guys do. They want to get on the field and play. So. Um, I did receiver, a quarterback, running
0: back, punter, trying to kick return. Anything they needed me to do, I did it. So you just mentioned they they promised you'd be a quarterback, and how important was it for you? I know reading up on how you got recruited, you did not not want to be a quarterback, right? It was if they didn't recruit you to be a quarterback, that wasn't that was a no go for you. Yeah. Um. So my my head coach in high school, Kirk Martin, Melville, just the,
1: school, the high school I went to. It's, it's a you know we have like a lot of talented players there. Everybody gets offers, and from a young age, so I started getting offers. You know, my sophomore year, and at that. Time, Tom, Coach Martin, we had a plan. He wanted me to, you know, obviously tell the coaches that I would play in the position just to rack up on offers, get offers, get have, you know, different chances to go different places. And once I got to a certain amount and I was getting older, you know, my junior year, I kind of narrowed the ones down that said they would allow me to play quarterback. So I literally had, you know, probably 20-something offers, and I was picking from, like, seven or eight schools that said they would give me an opportunity to play quarterback. And I knew that's all I needed was opportunity to, to show guys I can do it.
0: So you were originally committed to TCU, Correct. Yes, sir. As a quarterback? Yes, sir, as a quarterback. So what changed? Why did you not end up going there?
1: When I was coming out of high school, I just I asked committed to TCU. Actually, Coach Patterson, my dad, had a good relationship. My dad was a defense coordinator, so he would go up to TCU every summer and kind of like learn their defense and like implement their defense to his defense. And so he kind of knew Coach Patterson like that. And my cousin, Jeremy Marcus, was a secondary coach on staff, right? So, you know, they said, they'll give me an opportunity to play quarterback. But if you look at the history of TCU, they always get guys that play quarterback in high school. So they move to, you know, they move the guy to linebacker.
0: You know what- their master mojo was right like hey come on you'll play quarterback you'll play quarterback and then you get there and you're like nope
1: sorry you're gonna move you absolutely so I, I just didn't want to fall in that trap and like i, I was so blessed to have my dad who's a coach kind of knew how the game went but i really believe down downside you know coach Comby and coach Meechum, they really don't get an opportunity to play quarterback it was just that at that time you know u of h tom Herman. it was his first year at u of h um he had a really good year um and the whole h town takeover thing that was all slowly and kind of took over and a lot of guys that I grew up playing against, you know, Ed Oliver, Courtney Lark, Keith Corbin, Marquest, all those guys that, that I had a really good relationship with, you know, we all decided we was going to stay home. So, you know, Courtney Lark uh, was one of our big-time receivers when I was there. Uh, he's also he's also was committed to TCU with me. And, you know, I decommitted, he decommitted, and we both decided to go to University of Houston. You know, it was something about just, you know, staying home in the city. We had a lot of pride about it. And at that time, you know, you Richardson talked with, you know, getting expanded to the Big 12. And I really thought that was going to happen with, you know, Coach Herman and the season they had prior before I got there. So I was just wanting to stay home. And I knew Greg Ward was a similar player like me. And I've seen him have so much success there. And I knew Herman offense and Major on offense was, was a fit for me. So that's why I decided to go to
0: Houston. So what happened when, when people would look at you as, I don't know, an athlete or, you know, hey, we, we might be able to move you around? Were you insulted by that? Like, how did you take that? Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm I'm a very very confident person. Um, I might be quiet, but I'm super super confident. Like one of my high school, I I'll never forget this day. One of my high school coaches, I was coming, out, I had a lot of offers at the time, and he kind of looked at me, and was like, "I hope you don't think you to play quarterback in college." That's
0: the wrong thing to say, right?
1: Exactly. And but me and him had like we had a really good relationship, and no, he just hadn't seen that before a, a guy like me play quarterback in college besides Kyler Murray. But for me, you know, coming out of Texas, I mean, I literally had you no know, to touchdown record. Touching our passing record in the state of Texas, had all that coming out. And I'm like, okay, so if I'm doing all this at the highest classification in the state of Texas, which is some of the best high school football in the world, then why am I not getting, you know, really considered as a quarterback for all the big-time programs? Um, So, yeah, I, I kind of look at it with disrespect. But, you know, honestly, like, it's honestly a blessing to be able to do so much, you know, different things. You know, run fast, throw the ball, run routes, whatever. But at that time, I was trying to prove everybody else like a way quarterback. I knew I could do it all along.
0: I remember talking to Corey Flagg, I think it was before, before the FSU game this year, and he said, you know what, the environment, I don't think it's going to worry me. He said he played high school games in either at AT&T in Dallas or Relying in Houston that were sold out for high school football games. So how big is football in Texas?
1: It's the biggest. I know I'm out here in Florida. Florida football is great, but I think Texas is second to none. Uh, I remember games... Literally games the, the city of Manville will shut down. Nothing's is open, you know, the whole city has come to the game. It could be a regular game and it's you no know, upward to 20,000 people there. And we play like all the big games, we'll play NRG and it'd be you know 40 plus thousand people there. You no, know, super, super loud. A lot of my games at high school I had more people than I had, you know, the high school games from my added U of H games. It's super big and I think it, it prepares you know guys that play in the, in the state of Texas, that play for good programs to go and succeed on the next level early. So I think it helped, helped us out a lot.
0: When you get to college, whatever fanfare attention you know, that comes with it, whether it's at Houston or Miami, when you're a, the kind of high school player you were setting state records, how much attention follows you in your day-to-day life as a teenager?
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I tell people all the time. Uh, I remember, like, my sophomore year when I was – I started to varsity my freshman year, but I went to a private school. My dad was coaching that. Then I went to Melville, which was a, a big-time program. You know, coming to my sophomore year, nobody really knew who I was. You know, I was getting, you know, letters and things like that after my freshman year. But after we played Paraland, who was a really good team that year, and I kind of went off. And everything changed. You know, it wasn't super, super crazy people, you know, following you home and doing all this. But, you know, everywhere you go in the city of Houston, you was, was getting recognized. You know, little kids, you know, oh my gosh, Dear King, actually already having some pictures, and you know, you're 15, 16 years old. So I kind of, you know, got used to it at an early age. And me staying home, going to Houston, being a hometown kid, kind of just escalated once I started doing really well at Houston. We came to a point where, you know, everywhere I went, I had to wear a hoodie. You know, if I didn't want to be seen by anybody, wanted to, you know, hang out with, you know, family, just not be bothered. So um, it, it was good. It, it has pros and cons.
0: I got you. So maybe Miami get lost a little bit.
1: Miami, Miami. I mean, maybe when I first got here, but after that season last year, uh, I couldn't really go anywhere anyway, uh, anywhere without getting recognized as well. Like Houston was like this and people recognized you. When I got to Miami, it kind of exploded even more.
0: I know it's pretty soon you're going to take off, right? And you're going to start training in Atlanta for the draft. So like, are you a Miami guy? Like it's short time, but like you, you like the city.
1: I love Miami. It's my second home. I tell people all the time. I, I can see myself living here, uh, even though you know it's super expensive compared to Texas. But I can see my definitely see myself living here.
0: It's that much more expensive than than Houston, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I just think like if you look at the real estate, like the houses and all that, you, you get a bigger bang for your buck in Texas. You know, you can you can spend a 400k and get a freaking mansion in Texas, not
0: here. You can get in not here, not not, not here. even close, <laughs>
1: not even close, not even close.
0: You won't be living anywhere near campus if you're spending 400k. Exactly not even close. I don't know if you were groomed to be a quarterback, but you basically said you were, you know, basically that was your position, right? That's the the, the position you loved, the position you wanted to play. You hear about kids who were trained by their fathers, right? There's always a little bit of tension there. Who knows who's pushing who? Like, does he love it himself? His dad wanting to be, I, I guess there's a movie out now about the Williams sisters. So what was it like working out with your dad? Like I know it was genuine. The relationship was the love that the push was that from you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I get that question all the time, actually, especially back home because everybody in Houston, you Houston, everybody know, you know my dad is Coach King. Like they know him as a coach, not the dad. You know, on the, on the field, he was really tough on people. You know, he he tried to get the best out of everybody. You know, he didn't take anything. He wanted to, you know, one hundred percent effort every single time. But me personally, like I said, I, at a young age, he kind of like pushed us into it, and you know, we just rolled with him everywhere to practice, you know, to meetings. So we kind of got that it's to, to know what to do without him having to tell us. So I remember in the summer, it was time, like he was going to facility for, you know, the little summer workouts and me and my brother would be up dressed, waiting for him, brush our teeth, waiting for him to, to go in the car so we can go with him. We just loved it. So it came to a point where he didn't have to tell us to go work out, go do this, go train, go watch tape. We just wanted to do it. And you know, a lot of people back home get that kind of confused on how, how he was. He, he wasn't like really pushy at all.
0: You were eighth on the depth chart when you first got to Manville. So I guess when you made that transfer from the private school, right? So when you made it for your sophomore year at Manville? Yep, yes, sir. Eighth on the depth chart. That is a fact.
1: (laughs) That's a fact, yes, sir. 100% fact. It's
0: crazy because, like,
1: my dad was a coordinator in my first school, and my brother played linebacker, right? And we played there my freshman year, his junior year. And it was, like, we were the best players on the team, easily. It wasn't really good. It wasn't good football. You know what I mean? So he kind of wanted us to go and play really good, the best football in State Texas. He wanted to play really good teammates, really good guys that get good competition to prepare for the next level. So, you know, when it's crazy because my, my dad had told me and my brother that man, he didn't ask us anything. He's like, man, you got to transfer. And we was like, what? I'm a starting quarterback. I'm on varsity basketball, varsity track. I don't want to transfer and go to a whole new school, you know, compete with 10 other guys and, and this and that. Because people don't realize, I think in my high school history, every quarterback that's been a starter there has been D1 since the school was
0: open. Which high school? Which one? The where you went through that? Manville. Yeah, Manville right. High School,
1: yeah. So how it works is, you know, we had a guy named Shane McCarley who was really, really good, threw for like 5,000 yards, went to, he got drafted in baseball. So once a guy leaves, right, once a guy graduates, a lot of guys transfer in to try to get that spot just because they know if they just want to go back to Manville, we're going to have a good opportunity to go D1. So when I went there, I seen how many quarterbacks they came in right. So five of the quarterbacks are transferred in when I transferred in. And I wasn't scared of competition, but I was like in my head it didn't make sense why we were leaving. Like you're a defense coordinator here. I'm a starting quarterback on varsity, my brother's starting linebacker. Like why are you you know pushing us out to go to this school and now we got to compete with eight other guys to to be the guy. It's kind of weird because you know the first couple of days of camp I really didn't get any reps. You when know, I was a 15, 16 year old kid coming in, transferring, uh, they didn't know who I were. And then for some reason coach Martin had put me in, in the last team period with the ones. And he had called his own read, and I kind of pulled it and made something happen. And everybody was like, who's this guy? So at that time, they didn't know I could throw the ball. So I just kept you know building on that, working my way up. And honestly, I wasn't the official starter until you know week three. So the first two weeks of the season, I was rotating every series with another guy um, named Stefan Khan, who ended up playing quarterback losing a tech. And you know, I ended up playing really well the first two games and they kind of made a decision to, to ride me the rest of my career there. So it was a it was a wild ride. And very like I was upset a little bit because my dad had made us leave. But um he ended up working out and I, I see why he did it now.
0: So he stayed back. He still coached at your other school?
1: So when it, when we left the Manville, he didn't want to he stopped coaching high school football in total because he wanted to watch us play on Fridays night, Friday nights.
0: Friday nights. So you're you're the quarterback as a sophomore. You beat out all these dudes in front of maybe forty thousand people on a Friday night.
1: Yes, sir. It was so we played spring high school where you were you about to go this weekend. You played them week one. They had a really good team. Um, but then we played North Shore, the, the, the school Corey Flagg went to. And that was like one of the best teams in the, in the country at that time. And you know, I played really well, just ended up, beat them. And then ever since then, it was, you no, know, the rest was
0: history. So where did the other five guys go? They left, right?
1: Yeah, they, they all transferred. So Stephon, the guy was competing He into to transfer him to Heights High School, which is a good high school out there. Another guy went to Alvin. Another guy went to Madison High School. Another guy went to Providence School, St. Pius. I forgot where other guys went. And all the people, the only person that stayed was, was Kyle Trask, who's. You know, play quarterback for the top Bay Buccaneers right now. And it's crazy because, you know, I remember my first day on campus, first day of fall camp, you know, at the end of the coach brings us up by position. So our head coach and OC was our – our head coach was our quarterback coach, uh, Kirk Martin. He brought it up, you know, kind of was getting on us a little bit. We got to have a better day, have a better energy. We need somebody to step up and be the guy. That's what he was saying, and you know, I, I was just waiting for an opportunity. I was mad. I didn't get a lot of reps, and I remember Stefan Con, who was a starter at that time, who everybody thought was gonna be the starter. Cause they at Melville, it's kind of different. Like you're a freshman, you don't go in the varsity locker room. You don't do anything. You don't even you go. You pick up the balls at the practice. You make sure the field's clean. You do all that. So he kind of looked at me and threw the ball back. Like get the balls. That's what he told me, and I'm looking at him like, okay, I didn't get him. Trust me, I didn't get him. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. No, me and him are really good friends now. Like I can tell this story, but you know, it was ever since that day I have, you know, gave myself a vow to go win a job. So.
0: Oh, well, now I know where all your toughness comes from. I told you at the Michigan State game, I've just the utmost respect for you. But where did where do you think that confidence came from? That, right, you're a new kid, new school, young, relatively, you're a sophomore, and you're not taking crap from nobody.
1: No, not at all. I think just, just the way I was raised. You know, I was, very, I was raised, very. So I was raised. We had no rules growing up, literally no rules. As long as you did good in school, didn't get in trouble. That's the only rules you had. Do good in school, make A's, and don't get in trouble. So my dad had kind of... No, i I still have that confidence in us. Like, he was he was the type of dad that, and, and mom. My mom was a, a high school basketball star, very competitive as well, played college basketball. So they were kind of super competitive everything. Like, we, me and my brothers was getting to fight or getting to fight with somebody else in the neighborhood. You know, kids getting fights all the time. and you know, we'll come home, and my dad was like, why y'all here? Why y'all not fighting? You don't stop until somebody pulls you off. Like, it was just a super competitive family. You know what I mean? So he, I think they raised us to be very and like confident in anything we do. And also, no, obviously, you know, stay humble and all that. But I think just the way I was raised.
0: What happened if the grade slipped? I mean,
1: my grades never, never slipped. So um, I think my mom was more involved with the grade stuff. You know, my dad was more on the athletic side, but I, I don't know. My grades never slipped, so I never got the, the chance to see all my sisters or brothers. So
0: you said you had 20 off. I mean, I believe you that you had 20 offers and really only seven that you considered in terms of playing quarterback. And I don't know. I think, you know, obviously there's been numerous things written about you, but, you know, Trash was your backup, but he gets offered by Florida. In one of the articles, you basically said it was kind of a little frustrating that here's a guy who's 6'5", right? You're starting, he's not, he gets offered by Florida and you're like, well, what about me? So can you maybe expand, A, clarify if I'm wrong, right? If I misunderstood that and then B, maybe expand on that. No, you're absolutely right. That's my guy. Me and him have a really good relationship. Yeah, I don't, I didn't see it as a you and him thing. I just thought it like as a, hey man, like did y'all see me? Like I'm the one setting records, why, why is he getting that offer?
1: Yeah, and that's that's the thing people don't, people don't realize um, about, you know, playing quarterback and a guy in my form. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, you know, being a black quarterback. So, yeah, I'm a starting quarterback here. I'm doing really good. You know, literally, I was a district MVP three years in a row, All-American, all this stuff. And, you know, I'm still getting overlooked in my position. I'm throwing the ball well. It's not like I'm on film. I can't throw the ball and be running. I'm throwing the ball well, and I just don't understand why the big time. I, I had offers from a lot of Big 12 schools and Pac 12 schools, and you know, one SEC school. But you know, the big time schools that you think of, like the Floridas and the Miamis, the Florida States, Oklahomas. Why do you want to offer me or take me this year as a quarterback? You no, know, they came to school. I talked to them, and they told me that you know they'll they'll, they'll move my position. I, I heard everything you know, like under the sun, but I was just a little frustrated from a guy that you no, know, it's a good player, obviously, a really good player. That's my backup. I'm doing all this and he's getting the, the footer off and all that. So I was happy for him. Same time. I was just it's kind of like you know, added fuel to the fire.
0: So you mentioned about being a, a black quarterback. How much of that did you feel when you were going through that process? That's number one. And number two, when you hear the word athlete associated with you as a quarterback, does that bother you? Um, I think
1: going through the process, you know, obviously like, especially back then, like, I, I felt it a lot. Like like I said, even my, one of my high school coaches said, say, you know, you're not the quarterback next level, right? Like even he was kind of, you know, downing me, but, Getting recruited especially, I feel like when the, when the coaches came to, to our school to come see us in person, like they asked me really tough questions, right?
0: Now when you say tough questions, like tough questions about the game, like like X's and O's tough questions or just tough? Like- yeah, no, tough questions about, about the game. You know, like
1: usually a high school, like they come to your school, talk to your coach, coach call you out of class, come meet, coach Kansas State. Whatever, cool. And like, I graduated class. We had 16 D1, so every time it was a lot of us in the office talking to coaches. And I can tell the difference when they talking to them and talking to me. They talk to them, "How you doing, man? Like, you had a good game last week." Blah blah blah. Me, it was you no, know, just on a, on a source of you know on this coverage. It was just like real football questions. It wasn't the simple, easy question that you would think a coach would ask you. So I think that they wanted to know if I really knew.
0: Are you more than an athlete? Are you, are you not an athlete? Exactly.
1: Can I play the position for real? And I had to answer those questions. And obviously, I was okay answering those questions. But I, you, you can just tell the difference between coaches talking to you know my teammates and, and talking to me.
0: So other than Houston, who most wanted you to be a quarterback?
1: Texas Tech. Um, I was literally about to commit to Texas Tech with Kingsbury was there. Oh, that was my guy. I was going to commit there. Cal Berkeley. I took the official visit there. Missouri. One SEC school to offer me at quarterback, and they really wanted that quarterback. At the time, they had a the smaller guy like me starting for them. UCLA and a couple more. I can't think of all of them right now. It's been
0: been a long time. You've been big time in LA. Yeah, I,
1: I would have went to USC. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> So Kingsbury, so Kingsbury, he must have followed suit, man. He took Kyler Murray, he must have known what he was looking at. Yeah, Kingsbury, that's my
1: guy. Uh, I remember him when we played Texas Tech when I was in Houston. He was still coach there. I talked to him for a while after the game, and uh, I still remember. That was, I remember him coming in the weight room my junior year, and I bench pressing. He had an all gray suit, black undershirt, black tie, black shades, and literally standing over me while I'm bench pressing. I like watching everything I did. Me and my family actually drove from Houston to Lubbock, which is like a nine-hour drive. We drove to, to Lubbock for a weekend, and it was on, I was the only guy on campus that weekend. Only recruit they bought, and they had the whole layout for me all the cheerleaders, dancers, and coaches, and everybody there. They really wanted me, and I really wanted to commit there. It was just, you know, super early. So I didn't.
0: Did you ever tell him no? Did you ever officially pick up the phone and say, Coach, I just, I'm going to Houston?
1: Yeah, I had officially, when I, when I committed to TCU, I told him, I called him, I told him I was going to go to TCU, and he, I mean, he completely understood. I mean, Lubbock and Dallas is just you no know, big difference out there. So
0: what is there anything in Lubbock? What is in Lubbock?
1: Yeah, n- nothing but the school. That's all, that's, all, that's all I seen. Yeah. A couple I hops. So
0: members. Now, this is not because I'm trying to question you. It's because I'm generally curious about this stuff. And I also think I always like the fans to hear this And because I think the game of football is extremely complex. People look at it as art. I think of it as science, like especially for your position, the amount of information you have to consume and process. Maybe discuss if you're, co- you're coming to the line of scrimmage, all the different things you are taking into account even before the ball is snapped and then after the ball is snapped how you're reading a play. Because I think when people start hearing the details of this stuff, it's no joke. No, no joke at all.
1: Especially in you know big time college football. You know, my thought process is my goal line scrimmage, obviously know the play, right? Like that sounds crazy. Know the play. Know you know your first taking options, right? And then the most important thing for quarterbacks protection. So we'll, we'll say a protection to the line. If we see a look we don't like, we know you got a foot protection or you know, just make a certain adjustment and then kind of see the back end. So the protection and see the back end. And in college football, is never the same, you know, pre-snap, post-snap. They always got to give you one picture pre-snap and change it post-snap. So you literally have, you know, a second and a half, two seconds to dissect everything that's going on in line scrimmage. So from the snap to you make a decision, you gonna know, where you're going to throw the ball, it's a lot of moving pieces. Think about it. You're the guy with the ball, and 11 other guys want that ball. They're trying to kill you, they're trying to pick you off, make you fumble, whatever they got to do. So for me, I just look at, you know, protection wise first and then look at the back and look at the safeties, you know, safety rotation, look how they're playing. And you kind of have idea on, you know, you got to hold to prepare for the team, right? So you kind of have idea what they're going to do. But I think for us, I don't know, I don't know why. Every every team we play, they always change a, a big part of their defense, which you know you got to make in-game adjustments. So like one team could be, you know, predominantly running quarter or cover two or cover three. And then they come out there and they want a totally different defense. They want a cloud, or they want to drop eight, they want to, you know, lightning double, whatever, double edge blitz, zero. Um, you got to make adjustments, um, especially for me. I think people play me a little different. Than they play most teams. You know, that's my ability to run the ball. So you got to just dissect whatever you can and try to make the,
0: the best decision to, to keep the team going forward, forward. How much work would you put in during a week? How much work in the film room with Coach Lashley or even back at Houston? Like how much work are you putting in to get it in your head so that you're like, I got it?
1: So I'll take you through uh, like a typical week that I, that I was doing, I was playing. So, you know, Sunday, the day after the game, you kind of dissect the game. But then as soon as you get up that watching tape of the game, you move on to next week. So I kind of, I'm the type, I kind of want to be broad on Sunday. So I want to know, like, that base looks on, on first, second down. I want to know that top pressure on third down, then, you know, in red zone, third down, like the top coverage in red zone, top pressure in the red zone, third down. Monday is a really big day for getting the game plan there. And I was always in the meeting with the coaches from, I go up there, my routine, I go up there, I get treatment get all the kinks off from the last game, maybe do a lift on Monday. Then watch tape on my own. Me and, me and Mike Harlan, me and somebody else will watch tape on my own. And just watch a couple of games, just games, like not breaking down anything, just watching the games, see how they play, you know, see how hard they play, see how good they're onto the ball, how good they're on you know, the ball Which DB is the best DB, try to figure that out. And then, you know, I usually go eat. and I come back, just me and the coaches, so the whole offensive staff, Lastly, like as everybody, offensive staff, GAs and me will be, you know, in the room for from five, started at five, from five like to probably nine. And, you know, because Lashley's having conversations, Coach Justin, Coach like is about, you know, what they like in the run game, what they like in the pass game. And I'm literally just sitting there, you know, taking notes on everything they're saying. They try to get a good Tuesday practice, is like a, a base down practice. So, you know, first and second down, it's really the the emphasis on Tuesday practice. And uh, in some red zone, because red zone super important. But I would just try to uh, listen to what they say. And, you know, Coach Lashley asked me a lot of questions about what I like, what I want to do, what did I see. And we have those conversations on on, on what I want not do, what I feel comfortable doing. And you know, we'll put the game plan in like that. So really a lot of first and second down bases. And I'll sit in there on, on Monday. And then Tuesday, you come out there, execute things that you put in. You put all the it's, it's a lot of mistakes on Tuesday practice. Like um it's a lot of not new brand new things, but you know, maybe new little keys, you gotta run a certain play for this coverage or forever. So you do Tuesday practice, break that down. The me coach brewer, um, we usually watch tape prior to Wednesday's practice to focus on third down original. Because Wednesday practice is a big third I raise on day, um, and after that Thursday's walk through. Thursday's kind of start, you know, taking a breath, put a lot of work in at the beginning of the week. Thursday kind of start taking a breath. The whole game plan is in. Um, you want to have a really good walkthrough and all oh, we choose to watch that walk through after we walk through, so I can see, you know, just rotation, the movement, how like we'll be playing. And then Friday is the fourth we run through. For me, I wanted to get a lot of live throws. I want everybody. For- the receivers be full speed, tight ends be full speed, the message with the running back be full speed so I can, I can get a good feel, you know, how it's gonna be on Saturday. I want the scout team to play as fast as, as possible, you know, to try to get us the best looks. And you know, Saturday's game, but you cut it loose, no thinking.
0: It's a lot of work, yeah,
1: a bunch, yes, sir.
0: But it sounds like you love it, I love it to death, yes, sir. You like being in the film room, I like it. it, it I, I feel like when
1: I was younger. You know, even like my freshman, I played quarterback. Saw me play quarterback a little bit. I was watching tape, but I really didn't know what I know now. You know, I was watching like even Tyler this year, beginning of this year. He was watching tape, but he really didn't know what to look at. You know, I think once you go in there with to plan, you know exactly what to look at, it makes everything that much easier.
0: So I'm, I'm just I'm on the spot. Who had a defense? that you went up against either this year or last year that you were like, that's pretty damn good. Those guys are good. Not even like personnel, just like structure. You know what I mean? Like concept. Obviously, you know, Alabama is really good, but like they run some good stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say Alabama. That's obvious, right? But I think two teams that stick out to me was, you know, last year when we went on a roll to play Clemson. Brad Venables, so he's really good. Yeah, he's a really good defensive coach. I and mean, they had a really good game plan for us. And I mean, I, I'm sure everybody could tell. You know, we kind of out there like a the deer in the headlights, you know, and then, uh last year I played Virginia Tech. I think they had a really good plan, a really good defense. You no, know, like a lot of not not the superstar players. They had good players. Nobody was like a superstar, but they, they kind of dotted up on us and they had a really good plan for us.
0: So true or false, I talked to Mike Rumpf, I think it was two years ago, and he said that you're such a student of the game that they might be going through scout defensive scout work. So you're pulling him aside asking about what Miami's defense is running because you want to get a good feel for practice or you're talking to DBs, you know, Blades or Bubba or whatever. Like, was that just part of the master plan? Yeah, I don't know, especially when I first got there. Uh, you know, you
1: want to you want to do good in camp, right? We had, a, especially before spring, before COVID had kind of derailed everything. And I was talking to Ryan about, you know, when they call this, like, what are they doing?
0: You were trying to learn Coach Diaz's defense. Yes, sir.
1: And I mean, learning the defense in general, just is it's good for, me playing quarterback. So I'm here a couple of times, even, you know, last this year and last year when the defense was having to walk through and we already done what I walked through. I'll go over there and watch the defense see what they're doing. You know, see how they're going to play third and long. See how they're going to play, they, you know, they cover three kick coverage and their blisses this week. And just so I can be prepared for camp when we get getting a third and nine situation, I know because Diaz called Prowler. <laughs> Right here, right? They call him problem. I know I know to, I know to you know, get the ball out, take to 3 shot drop, keep my eyes down the field, and throw the ball to the flat. You kind of want to pick up on little things like that. So that's what I'm trying to do. All
0: right. We know the injuries. We don't have to delve too deep into that. But I, I, Actually, I do want to dive into one thing, because I did listen to the podcast with Ryan, King and Ragoni. I listened to it. And I have this question. How in the world, based on what you detailed about the significance of your shoulder injury, how in the world did you even come back in that game?
1: Now, I really think ad- adrenaline. You know, cause I wasn't supposed to be able to throw the ball. I'm pretty sure everybody can tell you know, for the court, I can put anything on it just because my arm was hurting so bad. But, you know, college football, yeah, we have really good medicine nowadays. You know what I mean? So a little bit of medicine, just like some adrenaline. I wanted, I wanted to play. Um, I know when I got hurt, it was 14, 17 at the time. And I went in the locker room, got some work done. And then I came back, it was 24-14. It was 24 14, So the game was still in reach. Uh, I wanted to go out there and finish the game. And actually went down there and had a, a scoring drive, make it 24-17. Uh, so I think it was a, the first drive I came back at the tunnel, went down there and scored the ball. Um, so I just wanted to play. I'm a super. I'm super competitive, man. I, I don't. I don't want to be, you know, taken out of the game by by injury. Well, I think I could finish it. Now, obviously, you know, my ACL a little different. I couldn't finish that game. Um, I was still mad at myself for not walking, land on the field. I was always taught to never lay on the field, walk off. But you know, those things happen. But that game, you know, I think I was well enough to to try to finish it, whether it's the right decision or not. I just wanted to be out there and play.
0: If we get to go like from zero to a hundred percent, what percentage of strength do you think you had in your right arm after you hurt it? My forty or fifty percent. And what was it like the next day? When, when did it hurt the most, Sunday?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, so when, when the adrenaline kind of wore off and the medicine kind of wore off, and I was in so much pain. I couldn't go to sleep that night. Um, I had to sleep, like, upward, and every time I moved, moved my shoulder, uh, it was in, so, uh, a lot of pain. I, I went to my mom's hotel, stayed with her and my brother, and they would had pillows all around me, try to get me as comfortable as I can. I was just ready to go get up in the morning and go get an MRI, try to get something to make it make sense right to, before it can get better. So I think I probably got like, two or three hours of sleep that night, and I woke up early this morning and went to the training room and, you know, Went to see the doctors and all that.
0: So you also mentioned, I don't know if this in the same podcast it's really it's been it's been hard, right? It was it was a low. It was a low point and you said you now this was taped about a month ago. So you said you'd never been lower. So I don't know if that's past tense or current tense. But I guess how did it what did it feel like? Especially considering what you'd overcome, right? I mean you'd already overcome something to come back to have it taken away again. So I imagine for someone who's accomplished so much that had to be difficult.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know you go from being a guy, right? I think I forgot who I was telling it earlier to today, but you know, I've never been, you know, back up or played freshman JV, right? So going through the injuries AC, especially my ACL, I my mean, ACL was, was bad, right? But I knew I had a, a new another season to, to, to try to rehab and come back. You had a goal, right? You had something to work towards. Yeah, I had a goal, absolutely. So I had a goal to try to get back. So I was pushing myself every day and I feel like, you know, this injury kind of and my mindset going in, okay, God, I got hurt, I took my ACL in the bowl game. I know this season is going to be gold, right? I've worked hard to get back. i tried to do everything I can possibly to, to get back and be healthy for the season. And then, you know, I don't want to make it through three games before I have another season in the injury, right? So I felt like, you know, it was really tough mentally, right? You go from being a guy, been a, a starting quarterback at University of Miami to kind of forgotten about in in, in, a, in a sense, right? It's a saying that, you know, people always say, it's not what you've done, but it's what you've done lately, right? For me, I had to find things. I really had to find myself, right? You know, uh, people that's, that's around me, my family, you know, close friends, they know how, they know who I am. I'm never the type of person to to go talk to people about you know my problems and because you know, I never want to put my problems on somebody else. So I kind of deal with things internally, which I don't think is always uh, the best solution. So I had to like battle within myself. Right, it was it was a battle getting out of bed. Like it was a battle going to treatment, getting out of bed, and trying to you know stay positive. Like right? your makes out there and lifting and playing the games and scoring touchdowns, and throwing touchdowns. It's like it's hard, it's super hard. And I was like I said, the knee was a little different. It was the last game of the season. Nobody was playing football. Now I'm watching. I couldn't. I didn't. I I haven't watched college game day since. I, I don't want to watch college game day. You know, I barely watch college football just because it's so hard. Like knowing that you know I had the you know, chance to play my last. I have. No, I can do another season. But I'm not doing it. But my my last college season to go out with a bang and you know have goals. I set for myself. And goals I set for this team. You know everything was you know, going downhill. So I had to lean on people that I trust to to talk to and and, and get through that.
0: So who 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 did help you?
1: Definitely my family. I was leaning. I was talking to them. Every day, like they probably don't know, but even like when they the group FaceTime wrong, I was so happy that to answer it, you know, just because cause they go treat you the same, really playing football or not, they they don't care. You know what I mean? So definitely talk to my family, and I think they helped me get through the lot, whether they know it or not. So
0: who? How about your teammates, people around the school, who either you could lean on or who re, who, who was always there for you? I think the cool
1: thing, not the cool thing, I don't want to say cool thing, but I think, you know, a thing that kind of helped me as well was a lot of people got hurt. So it was it's not a good thing, but a lot of people got hurt, and I wasn't the only one, so I kind of had to look at everybody else's situation, like Don Chaney, you know, Chaney ACL, Cam Chaney ACL, Bubba hurting the shoulder, Jalen Chan's NCL. I had to look at you know, everybody else and like I'm I'm no different than them, right? I see those guys getting up every day in rehab and rehab and staying positive and this and that, and they kind of kept me going. Like I think me and Bubba, we had a good relationship at first. But I think we, since we got hurt, we formed an even better relationship. Um, just kept kind of going through the same thing, same things at the same time. So
0: I don't want to get too personal, D'Art, but is this a time where you, maybe you could have used a talk with your dad? Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, I talked with
1: Lat, with Diaz, that talked to me when the doctors had told them that I couldn't play, and you know, I had to make some decisions on, on what I was going to do. It sounds crazy, but my dad would have told me what to do, right? He he would have knew the answer before I knew it and I would have you know, he would have been the guy that kinda of pushed me in one direction. I would have trusted him for every direction he pushed me in and ended up working out for the for the good. Like he was the one that told me to come to Miami. Was he? Yes, sir. Go to Miami. When born. Like he the one that told me all that. So um I think he would have definitely helped me out in that situation.
0: You know, I talked to Zach McLeod, I think it was before senior day, and he told me something I didn't know, which was, I guess his freshman year when he got there, he said football was almost taken away from him. He had like a stinger or something in his shoulder, and he couldn't like barely lift his arm. And he actually said that uh, it was challenging for him because for the first time he had to think about himself potentially not playing football. Like he had to think of a different identity for himself. And I know obviously you still have footballs in your future. You're going to train and, you know, get ready for the draft. But have you had to look at yourself a little bit differently this last year, year and a half? Or like, did you have any of those same challenges?
1: Absolutely. I remember being at the hotel, and I told my ACL, and I was just laying in bed. My mom and my brother was there, and I was like, man, if I get hurt again, I'm done. I'm just going to hang it up. That's what I told him. And, you know, it's, it's scary. Like, people don't realize, like, we've been playing football our whole life. Like, that's not all we are, but that's, that's a big part of who we are, right? So we've been playing football our whole life. And, you know, when that time's coming, when you don't know we're going to be able to play again, play another game, it's like, okay, what am I going to do next? But I think, luckily, the position I'm in and, like, the people that i met and people I know, and, you know, I finna get my master's degree. In two weeks, I think I'm, I'm very blessed. So I think I, football or not, I think I, I'll be successful. So I have that to fall back on. So I'm, I'm ready for that.
0: So you said before that your dad said you should go to Miami. So why was Miami good for you? Why was it the right fit? Why was at the school? So he said it. You said you always listen to your dad. But why'd you feel it? You know, I was
1: looking at a, a bunch of schools. And I obviously, well, at, at one point, I thought I was going to stay at Houston. I had to go to the first team meeting then we came back for the, for the new year. And I think Miami was just a good fit, just because I'm very, so me and my dad looked at the numbers, the games that they, they lost a like, lot, the 2019 year, right? You lose to Duke, you lose to FIU, you lose to Latte. I'm not talking about that team, but you lose to three or four teams that you should beat any given day, any given Saturday, right? If you play your best ball. I was looking at the defense, right? I wanted to play with a really good defense. and I knew Coach Diaz was a, a great defensive coach, and I wanted to play with, you know, talented guys. I didn't really know much about, you know, the offensive guys. I know KJ Osborne was leaving, and when I literally came down there, my official visit, I think what got me was I was in the indoor, and me, my mom, my brother, like always, and d Wiggs, Mark Pope, you know, JP at the time, Mike Harley, Cam Harris, uh, a lot of guys that came, literally came up to me and was like, man, all we need is a leader. All we need is a head. You know, all we need is a, a guy to take it over the top, right? And I knew they wanted it. Like, when I got down there, I didn't do anything but go go upstairs, office and of staff meeting room. It was me, my mom, my brother, Coach Lashley, Coach Brewer, Coach Diaz, and we literally watched film on every single individual player. So they showed me all Mark Polk's good plays, all D ways good plays, all Cam Harris's good plays, you know, all Corey Gainers plays at center, you know, everybody. I thought it was a, you know, a team that I can come in and, and make an immediate impact. Obviously nothing was given to me. I have to compete, go there and compete, but I wanted to make an immediate impact and and you know try to you know do something good for a program that was looking for somebody to come in and you know, kind of take control of it.
0: What's it like making a decision as a transfer versus a, a high school kid? Because I feel like a lot of the guys that come in as transfers, their mentality is complete. What they're, what's important to them is completely different than what's important to you as a high school recruit.
1: Yeah, I think you no, know, getting recruited as a high
0: school, it's, it's it's a lot of different
1: factors on, on why you chose to go to a school. A school like a, a kid can go to the school, have a, a great official visit, they're like I want to go here, It's super fun, right? They can go to a school based off the city or you know this whatever. I think as a transfer, like you, you literally go out there for, for one mission. That's the, that's to win games so you look at it a little different like even though I was in Miami in my OV, I didn't want to go to you know, any clubs or any parties or any of that beach I just wanted to go go look at ball go meet the guys go meet the coaches see how it would you know fit in with everybody in the building um it's, it's just a different mentality because you know when you get recruited you got you know four to five years to make the mark I thought I was gonna only have one year so I wanted to make sure it's the right move so that's that's why that's how
0: coach Lashley coach Diaz players right has talked about the impact you had on the program how do you think the school or the city's impacted you
1: you know I was born and raised in Houston Texas you now I stayed there my whole life through college uh, my first part of college and i think moving to Miami kind of opened my eyes a little bit it's more out there than just Houston Texas right I think it impacted me it, it made me become a grown-up not that I wasn't at Houston but it made me become a grown-up grown man you know take care of my business by myself you know moving you know 16 17 hours away from home um, you got to kind of you got to grow up really and I think what the city has gave to me you know our support you know, even <laughs> some of the bad stuff they say, but the auto support they gave me, you no, know, it was second to none. I think when you do good in Miami, um, they they take care of you like like you want on their own. So you no, know, I think that it was it was good. Uh, for me coming out here all right so
0: everyone says you're a great leader right you're you've had an impact on the program but you talk to coach and they're like well he's not like a rah-rah guy but it's just like his presence or how he works or so where where does your leadership come from how do you think it rubs off on others why and why do you think it was so noticeable to everybody i would say i'm a people's person right so
1: i, I think i can talk to anybody i can go in the room and talk to anybody and i really like that i really like you know diving into people's lives like, my, everybody can, everybody knows me on my team, they, they can tell you that, you know, instead of me talking about football 24-7 with them, I'm like, I want to know how to raised, I want to know how many brothers and sisters they got. I want to know, you know, what they've been through. I want to know what makes them go. That's I mean, I know this sounds cliche, but it's really how I am. I know I can talk to you know, my roommates the same way. I can talk to a guy that I'll talk to, you know, four or five times on the team. And I think that's way more important than being, you know, a big rah-rah guy, you know, yelling at people and trying to motivate in that way, just to know, just to show people that, like, you really care about them. And I think that's what gets guys going. If I'm on a field with, you know, D. wiz and Mike Harley. And I know and he knows I care about it. I want him to see. He wants me to see. It's, it's nothing better than that, rather than going out there and just you know, trying to motivate guys with your words and you know not showing anything and you know not knowing their mom's name, not not knowing how they how they were raised, how they grew up and how they lost their dad and all, all that. So that's what I was trying to do.
0: This kind of blew my mind a little bit, the Eric. You come in last year, and to us, we're like, man, this guy's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, holy crap, we got a quarterback, you know, the NC State game. We haven't seen stuff like that. You know that dual threat stuff and forever, really. (laughs) And we haven't had a quarterback like that. And then I think you said on the podcast with Ryan, you were like, you know what? I didn't even play my best ball last year, right? Because of COVID, you didn't have a full off season with 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 Rhett. I don't know how much of the playbook you got to kind of master, and it just kind of blew my mind because I was like, we what we saw was we were like, thank the freaking Lord, we got a QB. And to you, it was like, nah, wasn't good enough. So where were you last year? Yeah, I I think I played.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I think I played decent ball good ball but it wasn't what i wanted to do you know some some games i left out there no matter why i did but it was um i, I wanted to you know have a complete season like i said i was 83 and i don't like losing so i i don't think i should lose i should have lost three games and i think a couple of those games i could have played better and gave us a better chance to win but as far as just just everything i think everything, i could have been better at everything and it was it was a weird year it was, it was super weird you know getting covid tested yeah not having a scout team you know at the end of the day but you know everybody was going through that you know we had coaches playing. Scout team corner, scout team safety. To so get yeah, at the end of the game on Saturday, it's a totally different speed, right? So I just didn't think I did what I wanted to do. But like I said, I still I still play good. I did what I need to do in most games to win. But it could have been a lot better as far as just everything, you know, throwing a deep ball, you know, giving guys chances. Um, just everything.
0: All right. We're going to finish it. I've got a couple of quick hitters for you. Ready? Yep. So I said on the pregame, I said during, the, I think, one of our last pregame show, if we get the Tyler Van Dyke of the last five or six games, Miami does not lose to Virginia or North Carolina. Agree or disagree?
1: Agree. Absolutely.
0: Now, if you are not hurt and De'Aaron King is the quarterback, we don't lose to Virginia or North Carolina. Agree or disagree? Agree. Would you say undefeated in the conference?
1: Undefeated in the conference, yes, sir.
0: Okay. NC State made a mistake by John pregame. Agree or disagree? Agree. <laughs> it got everybody going. I know you're going to agree with this one. Rambo was robbed by not making first team All-ACC. Agree or disagree? Agree. He could not possibly be an All-American, so he should definitely going be first team All-ACC. Rhett Lashley will kill it as a head coach at SMU. Yeah, that's a, perfect spot for, that's a perfect spot for him. Yes, sir. Agree. All right. Last thing. How are you feeling? What's next? And what's, where are we going to see you? I'm feeling good. Um, I'm about to sling. I got a couple more weeks before I
1: get you know, totally cleared, probably. So I'm going to do the pre-job training with Quincy Avery in Atlanta, and I do. I'll be working on a lot of different things up there, and then you know, hopefully, come on a Pro Day and all that, and I'll see what happens with the, with the league. And then after that, I'm definitely getting the coaching. So no doubt, no doubt. College or pro? College. I, I want to eventually go to pro, but I'm going to start at college.
0: Derek, man, I appreciate it. This was awesome. I feel like you, um, you deserve this kind of this last opportunity to talk to the fans, and you earned. In a short period of time, you earned yourself sort of in the history of this university, and I felt like you deserved to have kind of like a closing script. I appreciate you doing this, and uh, I don't know, go hang out with the fellas or something. You're probably like, at hey, stop <laughs> asking me questions. I don't want to talk to this yeah. guy anymore.
1: <laughs> I'm chilling and I'm always all good. Appreciate it.